This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I mean, a lot of times you can't see any of them because the clothes are on, but when you can, there's three. Hello, and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watch season six, episode three of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, The Ungraduate. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Afterlife. So both of these shows are about an unwanted guest in the characters' homes. You mean Paris? I mean Paris. You think Lorelai lives at the inn? And the dog. Oh, sure. And that uh, spell creature. Yes. Maybe we'll find more similarities along the way. There haven't been any obvious ones this season so far. No, not super obvious, no. I always think of more like afterwards when I'm editing it that we don't mention on the podcast. Yeah. It's like, whoa, those are actually some very similar themes. But there haven't been little Amy Easter eggs as far as I've noticed. Maybe she didn't like season six. I don't get the impression she likes the later seasons of Buffy. And she allegedly just kind of set Gilmore Girls season six on fire because she knew she wasn't coming back. So Is that really what people say? I don't know if that's like something she said, but I think that's something people have suspected. But she's just like, well, you guys clean this up then if you're not going to do what I want. So as we mentioned last week, there were just a couple straggler Q&A questions we didn't get to. There was also one that we didn't answer very well, which I think we'll answer this week. The question was, what's it like living in New York? Constant crime. (laughs) We answered it a little bit, but part of the question was also like, how do you afford to live there? Which is what we focused on mostly. Yeah. We didn't really talk about how life is different here than maybe where we lived before. I'm running out of organs to sell, baby. Well, I told you you don't have to do that. We'll be okay. (laughs) Keep your organs. I need Hulu. I pay for Hulu. (laughs) What have I been paying? I sold both of my kidneys. We alluded to this last episode, I think. We've recorded some out of order, but we mentioned briefly that we got shot the other day, and we should probably explain that a bit more. Wait, we didn't break that down? No. <laughs> like, that's a story for another time. Uh, okay, yeah, so do you want to tell the story? You can start if you want. I know you're still recovering. <laughs> uh, we were just going to the uh, bodega, which is, if you don't know what a bodega is, it's just like a little convenience store that's like on every block. In Mm -hmm. New York City. It's like a gas station without gas. It's just the snacks part. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, we were just going to grab something. And there's just like, what, a dozen kids excitedly playing with airsoft guns? Yeah, like very fancy ones. Yeah. You can see that they're toys because there's like a little clear bullet chamber with like brightly colored little bullets in it. Because there are airsoft guns that look like real guns. Mm -hmm, Like little pistols. And also it's got like a... Like you said, it's got like a hopper on top, which normally you would see on like a, a paintball gun. And so those look fake. So I, I don't know what these guns are, and I didn't care to Google it. <laughs> but they're they're like airsoft. I want to say they're almost like little mini paintballs that don't have paint in them. But anyway, they're shooting. The, they're just having like a fun play gunfight in the street on the corner, like ducking yeah. behind the bodega and like shooting all these things. It's like a good spot because it's right on a corner. So you can kind of take cover around the corner. Yeah, around cars. There's like a little restaurant seating area they can hide behind. If I'm being totally honest and real with you, Stacey. Yeah. If I were that age, this does look like fun. I'm sure. If you take apart the idea that, that like it's a little dangerous to be playing with fake guns in the street in New York City and the fact that there's bystanders, it 
probably was a blast. <laughs> I also feel like they were old enough to know that they should pause when people are walking through. Because we got hit yeah. a few times. Yeah. And it wasn't like the worst, but it's kind of painful. It's like the point is that it stings a little. Yeah. I was just like, I got hit like in the head and the arm. I was like, I don't fucking ask for this. I'm just trying to go buy my snacks or whatever. Yeah. I mean, to be fair to them, I don't think they were trying to shoot us. And also, they're kids who are dumb. But yeah, you're right. It was like, what do you get? Are you idiots? Like, somebody could get real pissed and like beat the shit out of you. Yeah. And that's what Stacey did. Yeah. I, I'm, I got street smarts since moving here. And by that, I mean, I beat kids up. <laughs> <laughs> that's street smarts, baby. That's not every day, though. No. I think the biggest difference between living here and living in the Midwest is just, like, how you get places. Yeah. Because we don't have a car, so you take the subway, which is very convenient for the most part when it's running properly and it goes everywhere. You can get anywhere pretty cheaply. It might take a while, but it only costs a little bit of money. You could go to a party in Brooklyn and get drunk and not have to worry about driving home or paying for a car to get home because the subway's there. But it also does take a while to get places and you're sort of like at the mercy of the subway so i think that was just like part of it early on is kind of factoring in that it takes a long time to get anywhere yeah or if you're like oh these two trains i should be able to get there in like 30 minutes it's like right but those two trains might not show up on time and they might have some troubles so you might want to pack in an extra 20 minutes but i also kind of just love that everything's here Mm -hmm. like we could go see a broadway show if we wanted to yeah. That's not something you can do everywhere. No, we can do it twice, one for each kidney. <laughs> like anything that happens major in the country is going to happen here. Yeah. That's just kind of a cool thing. But also like the grocery stores open 24 hours. That exists places, but like you can pretty much get whatever you want at any hour of the day if you're willing to go a few blocks. Yeah. For me, some of the big differences are just like walking. Like it's just so funny to me to think about like the distances. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's walkable. Whereas before we were in New York, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to walk that far. Yeah. We used to like drive to Walgreens, which was like across the street. <laughs> yeah. In Madison. But you had to like cross a major street. Yeah. Across the street and a little bit more, but not much. Maybe we would walk there. We would drive to your parents' house, which was not far. We would never drive that distance here. No, never. It's just funny to think about that now. And like someone will talk about going somewhere. I'm like, oh, yeah, you just walked that. Why would you not just walk that? Mm-hmm. Other than that, like, there's a lot more, like, crazy people here. Like, on the subway, sometimes you're like, oh, okay, like, you were you were crazy. Okay, uh, and I'm just going to sit here. Yeah. I don't generally feel too unsafe for the most part. Like, walking at night's never really been that spooky to me just because there's so many people around. No, I know. I mean, there has been some times where I've walked at night and been like, this is maybe not the safest place to be, but. Yeah, yeah. We've been lucky to not have had anything bad happen to us. We haven't been mugged. Just in general, the amount of people here is kind of wild. Like, if you think about how many of us are just, like, stacked on top of each other and living in, like, a small space compared to driving out in the country in Wisconsin where there's, like, a house every mile. People say, like, New Yorkers are rude. And I don't – I mean, sure, there's rude people everywhere. But I think the thing with New Yorkers, and we've talked about this, is that more like we just have stuff to do. We've got places to be. There's just so many stimuli everywhere. And, like, if somebody's asking you a question, you're like, you know, I just, there's so much going on. Can we just boil down to the important parts so we don't have to fuck around with, like, small talk? Like, I just don't have time for it, and I don't care. I'm never going to see you again. Do you need directions? Let me help you. Yeah. But also, like, if you go to a Chipotle or something, your interaction with the cashier is going to be much different than it would be, say, in the Midwest. Oh, absolutely. Or, like, the grocery store clerks, they do not speak to you. Like, some will say, like, your total. Some won't. Some will like literally not say a word to you. Yeah. Or in Wisconsin, it's just like, hey, how's your day going? We know each other's names and shit. <laughs> it's so bizarre. 
But it, it makes sense though, right? Because like a Chipotle guy here in New York probably serves like 200 more people a day than the one in Wisconsin. So yeah, at least he doesn't really want to spend any time chit-chatting. He's got to get to the next person. Yeah, it's just all about like what we said. It takes a lot longer to get places. So people are like trying to get in and out of Chipotle as fast as they can. They don't want the chit-chat. Yeah. So I've come around to that. And people ask me, like, Brian, was it hard to adjust to live in New York? No, I've always been an asshole. So it doesn't, <laughs> it wasn't hard. Yeah, it's almost more jarring when you go to the Midwest and people are friendly now. It's not that people are assholes. It's just a different culture. Yeah, like I said, I don't see it as being mean or being rude. I just see it as, like, different. Like, we don't have time for this pleasantries. It doesn't mean I hate you or I'm being mean. It just means that we don't have time for this. Neither yeah. of us want to waste time talking about whatever. We've got other people we're pleasant with. This is not about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to go hang out with a million people at my improv class or whatever. I don't, this isn't what that's for. You got your thing after work. I've set aside time for being nice. My schedule's too packed. I think that's part of it, too, is... People are here like living and working, but I would say a lot of people are here to like try to do something. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, you moved here from another country and you're like hustling to make a really good life for your family or you're like us where you like had to work some kind of job, but you're also trying to get into comedy. So like you're constantly on the go. Everyone's doing like two things, working and has some kind of hustle. Yeah. Well, before we jump into the episodes, we do have two five-star reviews. Nice. Thank you so much to Girly Pop One and Emily Atticus and Boo. My prediction is Emily and Atticus are partners. Atticus is someone's real name, and they named their pet Boo after Boo Radley. And I'm envious because I wish we had named Kurt Boo. We can still name him Boo. It's too late. Okay. Well, you ready to get into it? I'm ready. This week, we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about The Ungraduate. This episode is about Lorelai having work done in her house still, dealing with her dog, and also about Rory still doing community service. Honestly, not that much happens in this episode. Yeah, not really. Doesn't make it a bad episode, just like, as far as the plot, not much is actually happening. Lorelai starts the day by getting a ton of Pop-Tarts and donuts and questionably old bagels out for the construction crew workers to eat. She, like, wakes up and gets it all out. It's like a huge smorgasbord of food. I would say it's a lot, but honestly, this is the same amount of food that her and Rory would eat by themselves if they were doing a movie marathon. Mm -hmm. Their dog, Paul Inca, is just sitting at the table like a little cute human. This is super funny. Uh, it annoys Luke <laughs> because everything annoys Luke. He's all like, that's not for dogs. Like, it's her house. It's her dog. It's cute. It's also going to be his house. It's funny because he doesn't like dogs, but I feel like he's not being too much of a jerk about it. Like, he's, like, grumbly, but he's letting it happen. Tom is back, everybody. Love Tom. He's my favorite character. Is he? Yeah, he's running the construction crew, but is actually getting paid extra to pretend that TJ is running the crew. <laughs> because TJ needs the job, but would also get everyone killed if he was left in charge. Because TJ's a moron. He's, like, trying to do something for the basement, and then the crew's like, this house doesn't have a basement. Tom's like, yeah, it does not. You're right. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, like, how dumb is this? Like, he didn't know righty-tighty-lefty-loosey last week, and he thinks he can run a construction crew? They have made him so dumb that it's it's like my suspension of disbelief is gone. I cannot believe that anyone would put up with someone this stupid. Yeah. Well, they say he has terrible instincts, but also zero follow through. So he yeah, that was too much. <laughs> He's like, so it's a good combination. Yeah. He, like you said, he goes up to everyone, gives them bad instructions. Then Tom just sort of like shadows behind him and tells them what to actually do. This also annoys Luke, which it should. He's like, why are you paying TJ and Tom for this? 
But none of this bothers him as much as when Lorelai tells Luke that half the crew maybe accidentally saw her naked when she was getting out of the shower the other day. Of course, it was TJ's fault. He accidentally sent them up to the bathroom. She's not upset about it. She's just going to be showering at Babette's. But then this, like, crew guy walks past Lorelai and, like, totally checking her out and then pats Luke on the shoulder and gives him this, like, approving nod, like, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Rory is having breakfast with Emily, and as always, it is way, way, way too much food for two people. There are just so many berries on this table. If they had all those berries, they would be shitting all day. Also, Emily doesn't know the difference between blueberries and raspberries. They're more different than just the color. Yeah, they're very different. One's got one bubble. The other has lots of little bubbles. <laughs> yeah. Curves. You know what I'm saying, guys. Look at them. Look at pictures of them. You, they're bubbles. <laughs> Emily is peeved because another woman, Constance Betterton, from the DAR, sent a letter out slightly criticizing the state of some of the plants at the DAR office, which is an attack on Emily's leadership, obviously. Obviously. And so then Rory says, you know, I can serve as a spy for you when I'm working at the DAR. And Emily loves this so much that she suddenly likes raspberries again. <laughs> She's so excited to have a spy. It's suggested this woman might like run against her, yeah. the president. Yeah. I don't remember if that actually goes anywhere, but maybe that's a big scandal coming up. I don't know. Unrelated, I feel like Alexis Bledel looks great in this scene. I love that shirt and her hair. That's it. The bangs are coming. Yep. Well, I like bangs. You know that. No, oh, I know that. You wouldn't believe the things he does to my bangs. Rory's community service is going great now. Somehow she's in charge of the trash collecting now. She's supervising everyone. And the guy running it, like, lets her decide when to call it a day and lets her tell people what to do. The girl that was previously mean to her is now her friend and wants to hang out with her. She's super addicted to cigarettes, so that might be why she was so angry before. I'm assuming, like, a bunch of time has passed because she's, like, almost halfway done with her hours. Right. It it seems like she's trying to really rush through it, but it seems like it's almost time for school to start in this episode. So maybe a month or two has passed. But it's just, I, I don't understand why she's in charge. Yeah, that felt weird. Like, I can understand her maybe delegating some of the stuff, but why is she calling the shots, like, as far as when the day's over? Whatever. Paris has taken Lorelai up on her call-me-anytime offer and now meets with her bi-weekly at the end. Is that twice a week or every two weeks? I don't know. don't know. It's a confusing word. I would guess twice a week. Yeah. Because she says, see you Tuesday. Yeah. If it was every two weeks, she'd be like, see you on the 12th. Right. Everyone absolutely hates her, like, you know, because she's Paris. Paris is there complaining to Lorelai about her boyfriend cohabitation nightwear. Does she wear a nightie? Does she wear a t-shirt? What does a t-shirt say to Doyle about her? She also says, obviously, you have to get naked for the actual sex part, which is 100% not true, okay? That's not true. Clothing can be a very fun part of sex. What is this? What are we doing? What? Hmm? (laughs) I was just saying, you do not have to take your clothes off for sex. You do have to keep your bags on. Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) They even have clothing designed for sex. That's all my points, Paris. You're a smart woman. You should know these things. Anyway, Lorelai finds the first excuse she can to usher Paris out. She finds her staff hiding in the kitchen from Paris. I don't know why, but Paris is like super mean to the staff. She's like mean to Suki too. But Suki makes perfect food all the time. And like she knows Lorelai runs this place. So it's weird to me that she would be rude to Lorelai's staff. Like, I could see her, like, thinking these things or complaining to someone else, but I don't know. You think you're kind of burning a bridge by being mean to the Lorelai staff. Right. Michelle says that she mocked his accent and called him Canadian, which is funny because the actor is Canadian. He doesn't really have that accent. The way she got Paris to leave is Paris says she's, like, getting tired, and then Laura's like, oh, you got to go? She's like, well, I'll get some more espresso. And then she's like, oh, our espresso machine is uh, gone. It's it's We had to turn it off. It needs to rest because it's Italian. (laughs) It's, like, temperamental. 
Suki is trying to get Lorelai to lock down a date for her wedding so she can start planning the food and the cake. But Michelle doesn't think Lorelai's ever going to get married. And I'm kind of in Michelle's camp here. Like, I don't know. Lorelai, are you going to get married? I don't know. We'll see, I guess. We have the exact opposite with her and Luke, right? Luke, ready to get married. All you need to do is get him drunk on a boat. (laughs) I do think that Suki's being a little pushy. Like, let's say it's September. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming it is September because school's about to start. Yeah. Maybe late August. Sugi's like later has maybe picked like a July next summer date. Does she really need to prep Lorelai's wedding food like 11 months in advance? Right. I don't know. I get that she's nervous about Lorelai actually going through with it, but like, I I don't know. They're in the middle of a bunch of stuff right now. I get why she wouldn't want to pick a date yet. Part of me wonders if this isn't about that at all. Part of me wonders if this is like Suki essentially being like, I need my friend who I know and I love to like commit to this because I'm afraid she's going to let Luke get away when I think that they're perfect for each other. Yeah. Not like let Luke get away, but she's going to sabotage herself like she's done in previous relationships. And Suki thinks that it's best for Lorelai to just get married. I could see that. But the dialogue of the scene is very food specific. No, you're absolutely right. But Suki, this is not the first time Suki has brought up these concerns to Lorelai this season. Yeah. She did that outside the Twickham house. And I I feel like she's setting up this thing where she's like, Lorelai, are you going to do this or you're not? Like, please don't. If you don't want to be with Luke, don't tell him you want to be with him. She's hiding behind her food. She's hiding behind her food. There's a lot to hide behind. <laughs> yeah. Michelle leaves, but then comes back super panicked because Paris is returning for some reason. He's like, I don't know why she's coming back. Maybe she left her phone or her spell book. <laughs> <laughs> so funny he hates her so much and so do i maybe that's a connection yeah i mean that's like every episode of buffy but yeah that can be connected to a lot of buffy episodes so rory right now is working at the dar where she's dishing gossip to emily about her enemy constance someone saw constance spill a bunch of suspicious pills and emily is thrilled to hear about constance addiction or secret medical condition but he <laughs> was like emily it's kind of messed up that you're so excited about this so. Yeah, you're right. It could be a secret medical condition. They suspect it's like abuse because she's like fell on her pills to hide them when she dropped them. But right, but also maybe she's dying and doesn't want anyone to know. Well, what are the two options? Right, either one, she's dying and this is like important for her medical condition, or two, she has a, an addiction. Like both are like not something to be excited about, even if you don't like the person. Or it's just like female Viagra. Sure. <laughs> is that a thing? Do you need that in your purse? <laughs> Going to the store, I'm slamming my girl bag. Is it vag vag? What do you call it? I, uh, uh, I don't know that there's a term. Uh, is it even a thing? I think it is. I think there is a thing women can take that like gets it going. Regardless, I think Rory specifically said that there was like a ton of different kinds of pills. So it's probably not that. She's got a bunch of different holes. What? <laughs> what do you think pills are? <laughs> I'm glad you know there's more than one hole. Some people aren't aware of that. I mean, a lot of times you can't see any of them because the clothes are on, but when you can, there's three. I'm going to have to put two E's on this podcast. (laughs) For everyone. (laughs) Twice. Everyone. Sorry, guys. I know. It got a little blue there. I'm sorry to work blue, but this episode inspired me to. Don't work blue. (laughs) Paris calls and wants to confirm with Rory that they're going to be living together next semester because Rory hasn't gotten back to her about it. She acts like Rory didn't make it super clear that she wasn't going to Yale. She's all like, oh, you're still pretending you're not going to be going to Yale? You're still sticking with that? But it's like, what are you talking about? She made it very clear she's not going to Yale. Yeah, has she also not talked to her since then? Because, like, it wasn't like there was another conversation that we know of. Where she was like, oh, maybe I'll live with you. 
Right. If that was their last conversation, I wouldn't assume Rory would change her mind. Yeah, Paris is like very clear, like, you should live with me. And Rory's like, no, I'm not going next semester. And then Paris like leaves angrily with Rory's dress. And I can't imagine after that conversation, you'd be like, well, she's gonna though. Also later, Paris tells Lorelai that like, Rory ruined everything. Like, it was all planned out. They were supposed to live together. Did they even ever discuss living together? Like, maybe yeah. before Rory dropped out of Yale, she's like, I'll live with you next year. Right. But we never saw that. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't get that impression from Rory. And Rory straight up told her that she wasn't going to do it, so. Yeah. But Paris mentions that the yacht story is all over campus now. It's out there. And Rory acts surprised. I don't know why she would be surprised. Logan threw a giant felon party for her with like three, at least three dozen people dressed in prison uniforms. You weren't trying to fly under the radar here with what happened. Paris got all this information from Rebecca Thurston's sex blog. Yes, I, <laughs> I stress the thirst part. It was a very funny throwaway joke. This yeah. girl just like blogs about all her sex capades. Yeah. And because she had sex on that boat, she like wrote about Rory stealing it. Yeah, it's sentimental to her. Like, oh, by the way, also in the news, the boat I had sex on a previous time, not during the escapades with Logan and Rory. Yeah, like unless it was at the same time, like she was on the boat. I don't think so. Yeah, she had sex with the owner's son on the boat sometime in the past. So Rory's on the blogosphere now. If you Google Rory sex boat, apparently this comes up. So hopefully when she's applying for jobs, they're not Googling Rory sex boat. Rory's next community service gig is at a retirement home where she plays music for old people to dance to. That seems like a pretty easy one. Especially if you had a phone, you could just be on your phone the whole time. Logan shows up back from his European vacation. He's got a broken finger now, more on that later. Cut to Rory and Logan post-coitus at the pool house. They're on the couch, catching up. He broke his finger doing a cheese wheel run in Europe. I think the actor broke his finger. I don't know that that's true at all. I would just, it seemed not necessary for the character to have. Right, it just seemed like an extra thing that, the yeah, he probably broke his finger and they were just like, yeah, we'll just write something in. You notice something in this scene. Logan is so covered up. Yeah. It's like a woman after a sex scene where it's like, oh, keep keep that blanket all the way up so your boobies don't show. Yeah, he's like weirdly holding the sheet up above his nipples and like holding it there like if a nipple slips, we can't air this. She asks to like see photos from his trip and he like makes her grab him from his phone or whatever so he doesn't have to move and his boobs don't pop out of the sheet. It's weird. Well, I heard that the actor broke his nipples and <laughs> so they had to hide them. I'm like 90% sure we see his full chest in bed naked at some point. So I don't oh, know why. Um, maybe we're just like saving up for that to be a big reveal. We don't season finale. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it would have just been like too sexy. But like Rory's walking around without pants on. Yeah, which was too sexy for me with those bangs. I had to, I had to walk away. I feel like there's a happy medium where he could have had like one, one nipple, nipple. like a toga or something. <laughs> How do you, he's wearing a toga on the couch? It just seemed like, what are you hiding, dude? It's so weird. He's got it like tucked under his armpits, you know? Like he's got to walk across the room, but no one can see his boobs. Yeah, like you said, it's he's so cold. Silly. It was very yeah. cold. <laughs> Maybe. Logan is showing Rory some pictures from his trip, but then he feels awkward when he mentions going to Yale next semester. And Rory's all like, you don't have to feel awkward. Mentioning Yale doesn't bother me. And he's like, all right, cool. By the way, there's a couple jokes here about working blue. Which they've made before. Yeah. Yeah, he says something about, like, I'll show you my pictures, you show me yours. And she's like, you just saw mine a second ago, Mm -hmm. mister. And he's like, don't work blue. And then later, she's like, you haven't even seen the bedroom in the pool house yet. And he's like, all right, like, you know, you're making me feel cheap. Like, I guess I'll have sex with you again. And then there's another comment about working blue. 
It's not that funny. It's just cute the way she says it. She's like, Logan, I wasn't working blue. <laughs> yeah, she does say blue. Yeah. She says blue so cute. And apparently Colin went off to Holland with a milkmaid. Yeah, he's in love with a woman who doesn't speak English. That night, Luke shows up at Lorelai's to find her entertaining the construction crew men with impressions and pizza and dog tricks. Paul Inca has learned a trick where if she says pizza, pizza, he'll like bark every time she says pizza. When she says salad, he won't bark. Yeah. It's pretty funny. He barks however many times she says pizza. Okay, I want to share this. So this is not political at all, but there was there was legitimately a very funny video. Look it up of this woman where she's like giving treats to her dog. And I don't remember. Let's say it's Romney. I don't remember. It's some like Republican. And she's like, here's a treat from Mitt Romney. Here's a treat from President Bush. And the dog eats them. But then she's like, this treat's from Obama. And then the dog would be like, oh, no, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't care about the politics. It was just so funny that she trained the dog to not want those treats. Yeah. Was it like upset or just didn't? Yeah, it like looked like, no, get that poison away from my mouth. So funny. <laughs> Again, it's not even, it was just a funny thing with the dog. Anyway. Praise Obama. <laughs> Praise Obama. <laughs> Luke is slightly annoyed, you know, that Lorelai's like spending all this extra money to take care of these guys and for the whole TJ thing. And he asked Tom if other people buy all kinds of food for their construction workers. And Tom's like, no, no. But the showing us your naked body thing, that, that's been done to death. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> then fake contractor TJ shows up with the mystic hammer. This is the end of a wild goose chase that Tom sent him on. TJ then starts talking about all the things Lorelai could do with Rory's room. He really wants to turn it into some sort of like pig smoking room. Like, do you need a whole room for pig smoking? Also, does Lorelai seem like a big pig smoker? Honestly, it's a better idea than turning it into Jackson's tool shed or whatever the fuck he wanted to do a couple seasons ago. I mean, I understand that Lorelai's already killed a pig this season, but like, do, does that mean she wants to roast pigs? She didn't kill the pig. The pig was just sleeping, guys. Don't worry. We don't know that. But mentioning this room at all reminds Lorelai that she's sad. So she sort of like snaps a little bit at TJ and leaves. TJ acts super offended and like hurt. I don't feel like she snaps at him that much. It's like very little. I guess it is his to be sister-in-law. So maybe he was like very sensitive, but he's all like, what's wrong? Is she Jewish or something? I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Because of the pig smoking. If it was super unclear what the hell TJ was talking about. Then we get to see Lane. Remember Lane, everybody? Remember Lane? It's been a few episodes. Yeah. I'm glad we get Tom and Lane back. Lane and her band, Hep Alien, are rocking out at their last tour spot, a Massachusetts Seventh-day Adventist church, which is a hard sentence to say. Yeah. The kids love them. They're killing it. The kids are just, like, screaming, loving them. It isn't clear where they are right now, though, because they say both, thank you guys for letting us rock out in your gym, but then also they thank the decoration committee for decorating the AV room, which very much looks like the room they're in, because they are not in a gym. If they are, this is a very poor school. To me, it kind of looks like a... Like in Saved by the Bell, the gym is like not a gym. It's so tiny. Yeah, but like this it kind of looks like it's trying tiny. to be a gym, but I don't know. It's, it's a church gym, so maybe it wouldn't be very big. Yeah, well, they also said it's they're decorating the AV room, and this room is decorated. Yeah, it's like whoever started writing this scene didn't finish it. Someone just <laughs> yeah. took over the computer, and it's like, oh, they must not have said where we are. I'm not going to check. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter at all, but we were both like, wait, where are they right now? Like, which room? Uh, the scene is super funny because they keep shouting out Pastor Tim, especially Gil. Gil's all like, yeah, he talked to me all about my eternal soul and stuff. <laughs> Gil loves him. And he's like, if Christ comes back in fulfillment of prophecy, he's going to be hooking up with this dude first. Because <laughs> you're awesome. You do pretty good, Gil. Gil's fucking one of my favorite characters. I love Gil. 
You didn't mention Gil or Tom when we did our Q&A about who your favorite side characters were. Yeah, I should have. Gil's awesome. I love Gil keeps it real, all right? <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Like, they okay, so they're very excited to be done. They're on their way home. Lane asks, like, what do you want to do when we get home? And, and they ask Gil, and he's like, I'm going to do my wife. And they kind of were like, ugh. But it's like, why is that disgusting? He loves his wife. His wife probably wants to have sex with him. He hasn't had sex during the entire tour. You asked him what he's going to do. He's going to have sex with his wife. He's going to put a ton of clothes on her. Yeah. <laughs> were they like, ugh? No, they weren't like, they weren't like, ugh. But I felt like that was the vibe. I guess it wasn't that much of a, I feel like that's how we were supposed to feel. Yeah. That was super funny, though. He's like, I'm going to put on Harry Potter for the kids and do my wife for like an hour. <laughs> Which is fine. They're married. Everyone's happy. And you don't have to be married to have sex. You just need the right clothes. Okay, so. (laughs) (laughs) They're headed home in the van. They are just stuffed in this van. Which is apparently named after Suki's daughter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, what? (laughs) So you've used that name already, show. Brian and Zach are like stuffed in the back like equipment. They're like amongst the equipment that can't move. Gil is like pumping gas and also having like existential thoughts. (laughs) They're all super tired and, like, deliriously hungry. Gil is so tired and hungry, he can't even finish his sentences, which is also super funny. Like, they keep being like, are you okay to drive? He's like, yeah, man, I can. They're like, can you please finish your sentence? You're freaking us out. But as they're going home, Lane tells them, like, hey, guys, um, I've been lying to everybody about how much money we've been making so we could save. I know you're all starving, but because we all starved, we now have nine grand. We can use that to record our our own album. Now, I have to say, that's kind of fine. But in the same token, like, you could have taken $100, $200 out of that, and you could have eaten to the point of, like, not being starving. Yeah, I think if they were to take, like, $1,000 out of that, they'd still have a ton of money, and they would have eaten just fine and not been sad and cranky. Yeah, they could die because they're so delirious right now. They kind of imply they could record for, like, $1,000. Yeah, they say Nirvana recorded for like 600 and even with inflation, they could record like 10 times over with 9000 So I feel like they only need like $2,000 at most to record. Yeah. So this is kind of shitty of lying. Yeah, it's just, it's a lot of lying. It's it's not like, oh, uh, we got shittier ro- hotel rooms than we could have. It's like you guys are like in pain and uncomfortable. I mean, like they didn't eat real meals. Yeah. I think they had like snacks. They could have at least had like fast food every meal or something. Yeah. Pretty cheap. They get over it because they're like, we're going to record an album. It's going to be great. And that's the last we see of them in this episode. At the end, Suki unveils her dark chocolate s'mores wedding cake. And it looks great. I want it. Brian loves s'mores. I do. I do so much. Paris shows up again. So Michelle and like the entire staff go and hide. Laura and I invited her to the end to kind of break up with her. She tries to be nice and ask Paris if she's doing anything differently. (laughs) She's like, oh, you look nice. You doing anything differently? And Paris is like, well, I spilled gasoline on myself accidentally. <laughs> She's like, okay, that must be it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, okay, so they sit down. A nervous waiter, nervous because Paris is the worst, spills a little bit of iced tea when he's pouring Paris's glass. And she gives him all kinds of shit for it. She's like, in the glass, out of the glass. And I'm like, literally 10 seconds ago, you said you spilled gasoline all over yourself. And you're giving <laughs> this guy shit for spilling? Yeah, it's not cute. Her being rude like that isn't funny. It just makes her seem like not a good person. Yeah, it's so weird because she's like, oh, the service here sucks and stuff. I feel like there's a happy medium where you could get where, like, she doesn't have a filter and she can be rude, but it's not necessarily because she's mean or she's at least self-aware. But, like, sometimes they take Paris in a direction where she's just, like, super mean and has no redeeming qualities. 
Yeah, like her telling her the service sucks. That's like an insult to Lorelai, who's like being mm-hmm. very kind to you. Yeah. Like you don't hire good people. Yeah, or even criticizing like first off, Suki's food is always going to be great. So what do you have to complain about with Suki's food? There's, there's no chance you're getting better food on campus or something. Right. Like just you complain literally every place she goes. I guess you could argue she does, but that's a bad person. Yeah, I would say she does. It's just too much. Like, I feel like you can pepper it in where she says stuff and she's a little mean or a little insensitive. But she's so mean and so insensitive to someone that's being so nice to her. It's like when the show does this, I'm like, fuck you, Paris. Get out of the show. Like, you're too much. Yeah. I feel like in previous season they've struck a balance that's been like, okay, Paris is a lot, but she has some redeeming qualities. And it can be funny. But when it's mean, it's not funny. Yeah. Paris mentions talking to Rory on the phone while Rory was at an office. And Lorelai's like, at an office? What are you talking about? Tell me more. And Paris starts to tell her. But then Paris becomes offended and accuses Lorelai of just having these meetings to pump her for information about Rory. And this pissed me off even more. Because I'm like, how many of these meetings have you had? I I get the impression it's the first time she's really brought up Rory. I think maybe a couple months have passed. So it's possible they've had like 20 meetings. Yeah. I would say there's no chance they've had at least less than three. Just judging on what people have said. And the last one we had was a lot of Paris talking. So it seems insane to me that Paris would be like, you're only doing this to get Rory information. This is the first time she's brought this up. Also, like, it's not crazy that maybe Lorelai wants to know about her daughter. I don't know that Paris knows that much about Rory. She doesn't seem like she's been talking to her for months either. So, yeah, I doubt Lorelai's been asking her. So anyway, writers, can we fix Paris, please, again? Like, she's pissing me off. I don't like her. Anyway, she doesn't break up with her. And she's essentially told Paris she loves these meetings. That night, Tom tells Lorelai that they're going to have to shut off her water for a few days. And so it looks like, oh, you can stay with me. Then Lorelai guilts Luke into watching her dog for her. She, like, goes on and on to, like, guilt him into doing it. Like, yeah, I guess I could go get the dog and then drop him off at the shelter. But then that's, like, 20 minutes away. And then I'll be late and I'll have to pay for the shelter. And the shelter will be closed. She just keeps talking until he feels enough guilt to take the dog. But at some point, she mentions having to get the lithium crystals to get around fast enough. The lithium crystals, by the way, are what you power warp drives with in Star Trek. And at some point, she's like, how much longer do I have to do this until you take care of my dog? He's like, of course I'm going to do it. I was just seeing how long you would go on and on. You and I were both like, how was she mentioning the lithium crystals? She like made fun of Star Trek fans. Does she know Star Trek or did she not know Star Trek, Amy? But then Luke says points for the Dilithium Crystals reference. And she's like, well, when you sleep with geeks. It's like, that was oh, so funny. You great. and I both were like, okay, we're sorry. We're sorry, yeah. show. You yeah, were we're like, okay, show. Okay, show. You were right. Okay, show. Okay. Thank you. Good job, show. Lorelai needs him to watch the dog, by the way, because she has to like go to the inn to let the wedding people in like at midnight. Yeah. Because Michelle said he would, but he didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I could do it, but I don't want to. TJ shows up, and he's figured out that, number one, there's no such thing as a mystic hammer, and number two, he's not actually the contractor. Tom tries to, like, calm him down and tell him that they actually did him a favor. They got him out of the house, they got him paid, but TJ's pissed. He's upset. But you know what? Fuck TJ. The writing for TJ in Paris is not good this season. TJ's just so too much, man. He's such a selfish little baby prick. TJ sulks and pouts at Luke's later. It's so weird. He's like at Luke's like wanting affirmation from Luke. He's like getting drunk on milkshakes. Yeah. TJ just starts going on about how he's got no dreams and no future. Then I started feeling like Lorelai when TJ was talking about her Rory room. And I was just like, shut up, TJ. I'm doing fine. Okay. You're doing fine. You're a craftsman. Yeah, I'm a craftsman. Yeah, I'm a craftsman. (laughs) 
That's what Luke tells him. He's like, you're not a contractor. You're a craftsman. Like, Jesus. Because he made those great shelves. Yeah, like, Jesus made great shelves. <laughs> so now Teach is excited that he's a craftsman. And Luke's like, cool, leave. It does seem like his shelves were legit good, probably. Yeah, I think they set that up, that his, the shelves were good. I did think it was funny when he, like, stormed off the construction set. Yeah. He was like, fine, I'm through. But he was, like, still passing out the sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Like, making sure people had the right food. Luke goes upstairs to find Paul Inca has eaten a bunch of his baking chocolate. So Luke is like, oh, shit, oh, shit. He takes his, he doesn't say shit because it's TV. He's like, oh, no. He t- <laughs> Very out of character, but it's TV. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny because there's no way Luke doesn't swear all the time, right? Yeah. (laughs) I feel like there's no way he doesn't curse constantly. Luke takes his watch off because he remembers that the dog is scared of watches. Oh, I didn't catch that. Good catch. Yeah, he picks up the dog and rushes him to the vet's home. Well, first he goes to the vet, but they're closed, and then the vet tells him where the vet lives. So there he is in the middle of the night holding a dog at the vet's house, like knocking on the door, waking him up, and he pleads for his help. And Luke's all like, there's a lot of ways I could screw up this relationship with Lorelai, but I cannot lose her over the fact that I killed her dog. The doctor answers the door so fast for being, like, in his robe. Well, he was in trouble with his wife. He was sleeping on the couch. I see. (laughs) That's my headcanon. And then he just yells back, see, honey, I'm important. People care about me. They need me. Sorry I fucked a pigeon. Okay, so... The next day, Lorelai wakes up at Luke's. She must have gotten home some point much later. And she asks Luke how his night was with Paulinka. And he's all like, well, I stayed up super late watching the dog barf. And then I spent several hours holding his face over some water to make sure that he got rehydrated. And then I chocolate proofed the apartment and the diner so this never happens again. And now I'm going to go make him a bunch of scrambled eggs because I know his tummy's all upset. All of this was like super sweet. And shows that he super cares about Lorelai and the dog because it's important to Lorelai. And then Lorelai rewards him with a smile and her saying, yeah, I don't want to set a wedding date until everything's right with Rory. <laughs> like, how about a like, well, I love you, honey. Also. <laughs> it's like she got confused and thought Luke was Suki. Yeah, it's just. But also he does all this wonderful thing. She's like, oh, cool. You know what? We might not get married. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess in my head, what I think we are supposed to get. And she hears all this stuff from Luke, and she's like, oh, my God, I love Luke. Luke cares so much about me. It's not fair for me to not come to a decision about this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I do want to marry him, but maybe Suki's right. I am putting it off, but this is why. And I, the best thing for me to do right now is just tell him how I'm feeling. Maybe admit it to myself. Maybe admit it to him. Like, it's, I, I have to be fair to him. I think that's what I'm extrapolating from it. <laughs> but it seemed very much like, oh, well, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Rory's having brunch with Logan at Yale. Afterwards, she walks around, wistfully taking in Yale and its freshmen. And the scene very much mirrors her first day at Yale. You see a woman showing people around, talking about how important the ID cards are. A lot of the same kind of bustle with the freshmen. Then we cut to Rory being sworn in as a new DAR member, like in her like DAR nice clothes. And that's how the episode ends. It was kind of a weird ending. Well, in both cases, she looked bummed, like yeah. when she was at Yale. And while she was getting sworn in. I I think we're to believe she's questioning if she's made the right choice. Right. I couldn't tell if she looked bummed at the DAR or just like kind of stoic. I don't know. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Oh, I totally thought she looked bummed at the DAR. Bummed, yeah. Did she make the right decision? No. I mean, whatever. Up to you guys. You decide. What do you think the title's about? Just because she's not going to school? Or is it reference The Graduate? I'm guessing it's referencing The Graduate. I have not seen The Graduate. I have, but I don't remember. I know there's a scene with a woman with lingerie, and I know there's a bus. And at the end of the bus, at the end of the graduate, right, 
the two people are on the bus and like he broke up the marriage and like, yeah, we're together. But then there's like this long lingering shot, right, where you sort of like get the sense that they don't know if they made the right decision. Yeah, they mirror that in the episode where Jeff leaves town. So I feel like maybe that's what you're talking about in the last scene where she's like she's made a decision, but like maybe she's questioning whether or not it was the right one, like in The Graduate. Sure. And maybe because Lorelai was naked. She was trying to seduce the construction workers? Yeah. Perfect. So, Stacy, do you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls? Not really. Mm-hmm. Like, there was good elements to it, but I would say overall it was, like he's kind of said, nothing really happened. Yeah. I enjoyed seeing Rory happy and thriving. Because mm-hmm. last week she was really having a hard time. And now she seems to be enjoying her community service and is like the boss at all of her community service jobs. Mm-hmm. When she's at brunch with Logan, she like mentions she's potato peeling somewhere. And I don't know. She seems to be like enjoying herself and her work and her apartment yeah. and her very covered up boyfriend. <laughs> but it almost felt a little confusing because last week they were setting up that there might be tension between her and Emily. Right. I'm sure we'll go back to that. Like, living with Emily being a little overbearing might be an issue. Yeah. But this week, they were, like, besties in cahoots. Mm-hmm. So it felt a little weird that they dropped that. But, I mean, maybe they don't want to... I think it's like the Buffy thing where you're, like, you're sprinkling in the main villain. Mm-hmm. Not that Emily's the main villain, but, like, you're sprinkling in the main plot. But, like, you know, this week, we're not really going to talk about it. Yeah. The construction stuff was funny. Like you said, TJ was kind of annoying, and Paris was really annoying. I thought Suki was kind of annoying, like, demanding a date. The Suki thing didn't bother me, but I think it's because of my rationale for what I think is actually happening. But I could see it otherwise. It wasn't annoying, I guess, but like those scenes weren't fun to watch. Yeah. It was all just very procedural. Yeah. I felt that this episode, while it was funny at times, and it was very sweet to see Luke begrudgingly. Yeah, Luke was a hero this whole episode. Keep that dog alive. Yeah. And I also feel like Luke was doing a good job of like, I don't like things, but like I'm not making a big fuss about it. That's the kind of Luke I like. I'm grumpy, but I'm not, like, a jerk. Like, yeah, he doesn't like the way Lorelai does stuff with the construction crew, and he, like, will mention it, but he's not, like, yelling at her for it, you know what I mean? Yeah, and he gave TJ that pep talk. He saved yeah. the dog. Like, Luke, Luke was great. But I think, and we already talked about this, it's just, like, Paris and TJ were just written in such a way that it was, like, the scenes with them weren't fun for me. Kind of, like, I don't like these characters. Yeah. There's some good jokes throughout, but, like, as far as, like, plot development, there wasn't a ton. Yeah. And... A lot of the behavior of some of those characters you mentioned was not fun to watch. Yeah. I guess we kind of just got where the girls are at. You know, Rory's yeah. maybe having some regret. Lorelai clearly wants things to be better with Rory, but like isn't trying to fix it. Right. I don't think it was like actively bad. It just wasn't like memorable or good. I'm excited to see her new bedroom when it's done. Rory's? Oh, Lorelai's, right. I refer to Logan as it. So when it's done having sex <laughs> with Rory, I'm really excited to see the bedroom. <laughs> All right. Should we... Move on. If you're ready to move on. I'm ready to move on. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed Season 6 Episode 3, Forget Me Not, when Wyatt inadvertently brings a dragon to life... The cleaners spring into action to protect the magic from being exposed. The charmed ones take on the cleaners in order to protect the child. What? What? Fuck is... What is the cleaners' motivation? Okay, so just judging on this, I'm guessing the cleaners are people that, like, come to make... Like in Men in Black? Like in Breaking Bad? Like Mike? Yeah, or Pulp Fiction. Like, someone comes in and is like, we're gonna make it so no one knows magic happened here. 
Uh-huh. So they come to get rid of this dragon. Dragon's a big job for them. They're used to like much smaller magic. Yeah, they're 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 used to like a floating pencil, and they yeah. just tell people like, "Oh, it was a windy day." But this dragon is just like up top the house, blowing fire at people, and yeah, like, well, we gotta get the cleaners here. ASAP. So the cleaners come, they take care of it, they convince everyone it was just a big parade float. It's just they they don't even like do any magic. They just stand outside the house and yell at passers. Look at this big parade flow, guy. There's like one guy that does magic, but really most of their crew is a big group of people that just like spread out and tell the neighbors it was a parade. Flow. Yeah, it's a bunch of like TJs. She's like, look at this big uh, dragon. It's a float. It's a did I say dragon? It's a float. In my head, they're dressed as like chimney sweeps though, and they all have big brooms. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, not in my head, in the show, that's what they wear. They have brooms? Yeah, they're cleaners. Okay, right. Well, they are witches, probably, so that makes sense. Like, the brooms that are, like, flat. like the- Okay, it, I tried to make it make sense, and you refused. <laughs> like, no, Brian. Yeah, because they're witches. Specific, but- not chimney-related brooms that the <laughs> chimney sweep men carry with them. I'm just saying, it's like the kind of broom your dad uses to sweep the garage floor. That's yeah. just what I think they have. Okay, they have those. But this must take a turn, because then the charmed ones have to take on the cleaners in order right, to right, protect right. the child. So what's So what's the cleaners come over to deal with this magic, and then they see the child, and they're like, oh, that child's got all kinds of questionable magic in them. We gotta clean that child up, because... Uh, this is gonna keep happening. Yeah. So they're like, we got to take that child out. No big deal. We can clean the child. No extra cost. And they're like, no, don't clean the child. They're like, we're going to clean the child. They're like, nah. And it's they're, they try to clean the child. So Which is mostly just them yelling at the neighbors. <laughs> 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 Nothing to see here. Just a regular baby. But they decide that maybe they should actually do something with the child this time. So they have to fight the cleaners. But the cleaners are really good with those brooms. Mm-hmm. There's like a really, it's honestly pretty, it's probably the best choreographed fight I've ever seen on television. It's also kind of a musical number. Yes. Okay, yep. Mm -hmm. With the brooms, like Mary Poppins. I haven't seen Mary Poppins, but I imagine there's chimney sweeps when they dance. There's chimney sweeps with brooms that aren't used for chimneys. (laughs) So, right, there's a fight scene like I first mentioned, and then also a musical number. It's one and the same. Oh, okay. It's a musical number. (laughs) It's a musical fight. Musical fight. Kind of like in uh, The Matrix? Les Mis? I don't know. Kind of like in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. There's a musical fight. They beat the cleaners. It's no big deal. But the cleaners, one of the cleaners reports back to the main cleaner at the end and is like, hey, there's a baby. We got to scrub that baby. Yeah, I don't know that this is the last we'll see of the cleaners. Oh, no, no, no. They're a union. They managed to banish the cleaners this time by really like all their powers in their broom. And they just like broke all their brooms. Yeah. But there's a lot of cleaners. The cleaners are like the Knights of Byzantium. They're going to keep coming. Yeah. Because otherwise the cleaners would have taken Wyatt or cleaned away all his powers. But he's yeah. like the chosen one or some shit. I don't remember. He's, he's the chosen he's baby the of the prophesied. future time. The one who knows. He's the source. And he's guarding the nexus. Are you looking at notes or is that from memory? Because that's the, memory. I'm, I'm remembering. I've seen the show. Yeah. It's been so long since I've seen it. That's right. why I can't remember these things. Yeah. Well, um, this has been. Meanwhile on Charmed. I don't know about where you live, but here in New York, every day is starting to feel more and more like fall. 
Fall is, of course, the best time of year to watch Gilmore Girls, and what's a Gilmore marathon without a delicious cup of coffee? Stacy and I have recently discovered Bean Blossom Coffee, available from SignatureHomestyles.com. It's a well-balanced, medium-roast blend with a rich aroma and fruity notes made from 100% sustainably sourced Arabica beans. So far, we've enjoyed their Breakfast Bliss blend, their delicious sweet vanilla bean flavor, and of course, our favorite, and what we're drinking right now, Buttery Pecan. The perfect taste and aroma to wake up with on a chilly fall morning. Or in our case, afternoon. Right. But Signature Homestyles features much more than just coffee. They're America's online destination for home goods and decor, featuring candles, frames, lighting, wall decor, and more. They have these cute little gnomes with gourds for hats. I could totally see Laura like giving one to bed bed. Mm-hmm. Signature Homestyles is everything you need to get your home ready for a Gilmore season or to get a jump on your holiday shopping. Don't settle for second place home decor. Get the best at Signature Homestyles, transforming millions of homes in the USA for over 50 years. Browse their collection today by clicking the link on our episode descriptions or our social media bios. And I can't recommend enough the Pecan Coffee. I love pecans. And I love coffee. And we love Pecan Coffee. Check it out. So as usual, you might be shocked. We also watched Buffy. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Stacy didn't take any notes. She was taking too many notes. Uncharmed. Stacy, can you tell us all about Afterlife? Yeah. So this episode picks up right where the last one left off so far. First three episodes of the season have all been the same, like, day. Yeah. And it's about Buffy processing what it's like to be back and the others trying to figure out, like, how to help her. And they maybe brought a demon with. Oh, no. Okay, so just FYI, again, the recap lets us know the only way Spike has a chance with Buffy is if she's unconscious. It's, yeah, can we come up with a better? tell us a lot. I, mean, I think it's just to show, like, because in this episode they have sort of a bond. Yeah. I think they're just reminding us of that, that like she was like, that's never going to happen. But maybe. But I don't just that's such a loaded statement that they keep telling us. Yeah. It's almost like, is there not any other dialogue? Is there not like. Yeah. Her being like, Spike, no, I don't love you or whatever. Or like Giles saying like you can't be with her or some shit. Like it's just it's weird sexual assaulty line that we get every previously on. I think they do show the one where Spike's like, I know you don't love me, but. Blah, blah, blah. Like, that's that's. But you treat me like a man. Yeah. Put that every time. It's weird. Can we take it out, Hulu? Can you sell Hulu one of your organs? (laughs) We can buy them. I'll give him one of my hearts. (laughs) Since the biker's leader has been vanquished, the biker gang seems to be heading out of Sunnydale for good. The Scoobies are headed back to the semi-res. They don't know where Buffy is, but Willow's got a feeling she's going to be at her house. I'm sorry. You abbreviated too much. Do you mean Buffy's house? Mm Mm-hmm. The sunny res? Okay. Summy. The su- okay. Summy and summer? What are you, you're not saving time. <laughs> as far as residents, fine. You saved barely any time, but you saved some time. But summy and summer, there's no time saved. I've called it this before, Brian. Keep on. Okay, so they're at the summy res. Mm-hmm. They're kind of starting to wonder if bringing Buffy back was the right move, since she seemed a little messed up when they saw her. And they assume that she's been in some hell dimension for who knows how long and was probably being tortured and might never get over it. Buffy is at home. Dawn's just taking her there, assuring her she's home. Everything's okay now, but Buffy doesn't seem so sure. Dawn gives her a tour of the house. She lets her know that Willow and Tara live there now. She gets her all cleaned up and makes kind of an interesting comment. I knew you were under that dirt somewhere, which just means like she's got dirt on her face, but I wonder if that's meant to be like you were under the ground. It's also a small reference to aliens. Is it? Mm-hmm. When uh, Ripley cleans Newt's face, she says something very similar. Oh, yeah. 
Dawn notices that Buffy's hands are all messed up from all the coffin punching. She tells her that Giles left today, but they're going to try to get him to come back. Then Spike shows up looking for Dawn. He's mad because she ran away from him. But then he sees Buffy. At first he assumes it's the bot. He's like, big deal. But then I assume she gets close enough that he can like smell her. Right. And tell that she's real. Dawn's like, yeah, she's kind of not doing great, but uh, here she is. Spike seems so happy, like a little shocked. Like he's got questions, but obviously right. happy she's not dead. He notices her hands and puts together that she must have clawed her way out of a coffin because he's done it himself, which you pointed out is maybe not correct. Yeah, they at some point, because we know that's not what happened, but at some point the show says like, Drusilla likes to bury vampires she just made to like justify how Spike clawed his way out of the ground because he did not. Yeah, I mean, I guess we don't see him die. We just see her like bite him. But it seems weird that she would just like leave him to be buried based on what we saw. You, you'd assume yeah. she would just like wait with him until he comes back. I mean, maybe maybe it takes a long time. It seems like it takes some hours. It, yeah, it can. But just the way it's shot, it doesn't seem like he was buried. She would have lost track of him if she like left him. She wouldn't have known where he was buried. Yeah. Dawn goes upstairs to get some bandages for her hands. And Buffy asks Spike how long she's been gone. He knows exactly how many days it's been. And he asks how long it was for her. She says longer. He's just kind of holding her hands during this. It's very sweet. But then the gang busts in. You can tell Spike's like, God damn it, I was finally getting somewhere. I mean, I think he was generally trying to be sweet, but he looks like frustrated that their moment has been ruined. They're asking her all kinds of questions. Dawn's like, chill, everybody. Also, you knew she was back? How? And they tell her they did a spell, which is honestly quite hypocritical since they wouldn't let Dawn do a spell in Joyce. There's obviously reasons bringing Buffy back is more justified, but I'm a little surprised Dawn's not more like, well, how come I couldn't do it? There's um, some discrepancy here about things because Willow is like, we can bring Buffy back because it was a mystical death, whatever the fuck yes. that means. But like mystical death, is a vampire killing someone a mystical death? Because, I mean, that's a mystical creature, you know what I mean? Yeah. But whatever, she fell through a shiny portal, mystical death, fine. But the show also set up that you can bring people back from very normal deaths because the show was very clear that Joyce died normally. It was all natural causes for Joyce. Mm -hmm. Now, you can argue that Joyce came back not right. She came back Pet cemetery style, but they were able to bring her back. So you can bring people back from non-mystical deaths. I think that they've calculated that the risk of bringing Buffy back was worth it compared to Joyce. Because Joyce, it was just like, we don't want Joyce to be dead. Where Buffy, it's like... She might be in hell because of the way she died. We don't right. want that for her. And also, Buffy can, like, save the world with no, her no, superpowers. No, 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 no. I absolutely agree with you weighing the options. You're right. But the show, though, is specifically saying she can be brought back because it was a mystical death. Mm -hmm. And when that urn breaks, Willow's all like, we can't do it. But it's like, well, you can, though. You brought Joyce back. Sure. Again, Joyce might have been evil or something. And I don't want to go into too much detail, but I feel like the show makes it even clearer that you can't bring someone back unless it's a mystical death. So you're saying that's a mistake? Uh, kind of. Because they could just now try the Joyce spell. The Joyce method. Now, yeah. again, again, yes. Could she come back totally evil or something? Sure, maybe. But my point is that the show is like, you can't, but you can. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, I feel like this episode, we're going to talk about this more, 
this episode is like really heavily saying that like, oh, she's maybe in a hell dimension. And I feel like the show could have really pumped up that like she died going through a portal that was trying to open up to a hell dimension. So that's maybe where Buffy is in Glory's hell dimension. Yeah, like making it clear that that's specifically why they're worried. Right. But. It isn't the case, though, because Buffy's body, like, like Angel gets sucked into a portal. His body is sucked into a portal into hell. So, like, Angel technically does not die. Right. He's just sucked it. Like, she says she killed Angel, but she didn't. She stabbed him, which he'll survive from because he's a vampire. Stabbed him and pushed him into a portal to hell. So, he is in hell because he got pushed into a portal. Uh, Angel, too. Not Angelus. Angel. Buffy's body falls through this portal, and the portal, like, kills her, but she do- her body doesn't go through that portal. Does the portal kill her or does the fall kill her? I think it's pretty clear the portal kills her. I think. She I don't seems, know. Yeah, maybe the fall kills her. I, I don't know. Because it was blood to stop the portal. So, And she looked like she was in pain when she went through the portal. Whatever the case is, the Her's show... bones should be all broken. <laughs> yeah. The show should have been like, we're worried because of the specific circumstances of her death, this portal that was opening to a hell dimension that maybe her soul got trapped there or something. But instead, the show's just like, well, she's dead, so she's probably in a hell dimension. Like, do you all believe that whenever you die, everyone's going to a hell dimension? Maybe. Because that would drastically change my outlook on life. True. If I was like, yeah, when everyone dies, they go to hell, like, I'm going to try to live as fucking long as possible. Maybe I'm not going to be saving people as much. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If Buffy is going to hell, what? You know? Anyway, I feel like they needed to specifically address why they believe Buffy is going to hell, and they don't. Anyway. Buffy's like, I kind of just want to go to sleep. Willow's like, great idea. You should get some sleep. But hey, we did it. We brought you back from the dead. She's like very proud of herself. Now's maybe a good time to mention that I predicted the end of this episode. Yes, you did. Yep. It's my turn to brag, Willow. <laughs> <laughs> the whole episode and the last one, they just like kept telling her she was in hell. Hell must have been so bad. So glad we got you out of hell. It just seemed like, okay, you guys are saying that, but Buffy's never once said where she was. Mm-hmm. And in fact, every time they say it, she kind of looks like, well, that's not 100% true. And then also in the previous episode, she asked if this was hell, which leads me to believe that wherever she was, was not hell. Yeah. I think there's enough misdirect to make it seem like she was somewhere bad, like she's acting shaken. She yeah. doesn't correct them. They point out Angel was also weird when he came back. Mm-hmm. She says she was where she was for a long time, like Angel maybe was. It would make sense that she wouldn't want to talk about hell, but yeah. I don't know. Just the fact that she doesn't say where she was and they keep assuming, I'm like... I think she was maybe somewhere good and she's pissed that she's back here. And spoilers, that's the case. Yeah. So she goes to bed. Willow's like, she's fine, normal. She used to go to bed all the time. (laughs) Anya and Xander leave. Anya's like, I think Willow's wrong about Buffy being normal. She seems pretty not okay. Xander's like, nah, give it a week. She'll be fine. And then they notice Spike moping by his creeping tree. He was maybe crying. He wipes his face when they notice him. But he's pissed at them for not telling him they were bringing Buffy back. He grabs Xander by the lapels and, like, pins him against the tree. Does it Which make sense should that hurt he can him. do that? No, it doesn't. Like, you could argue he wasn't intending to hurt him. He was just trying to get Move him to him. listen. <laughs> yeah. But I think Xander says, ow. Yeah. So, like, if he did hurt him, he hurt him. Spike figures that Willow didn't tell him they were trying to bring Buffy back because she secretly knew that Buffy could come back wrong. Like Joyce. Like Joyce maybe did. So wrong that they'd have to maybe kill her 
and Spike wouldn't let them do that if there was like a shred of Buffy in there. And in fact, it might even work out for Spike because this wrong Buffy might come back and be like evil. And he's like, great. <laughs> this is fantastic. Sure. Not that Spike could really stop them because he can't fight them. Yeah, that is true. I mean, he might be able to like literally pick Buffy up and like run away with her or something. But yeah, Xander's like, no way. Willow wouldn't keep any secrets like that. Also, don't pretend you're not happy she's back, Spike. He doesn't deny this, but he heads out on his motorcycle that he stole last week. Does he just have that now? Yep. That's fun. But he, on his way out, says that magic always has consequences. This is the same guy that helped Little Dawn try to bring her mom back from the dead. <laughs> yeah. Magic's always got consequences. Normally, I don't give a shit. Back in the summy res, everyone's getting ready for bed. Willow's gotten through to Giles. He told her he's going to head back as soon as he can. She said he seemed kind of weirded out, and she thinks she actually heard him clean his glasses. That's funny. So I hope you see him soon. Tara gets Willow to confess that she is a little worried about Buffy. Because when Angel came back, he was pretty messed up. Buffy doesn't seem as bad as when Angel came back, but she's still nervous about it. Tara's like, I think we were just all so prepped for it to go wrong that we weren't actually prepared for it to go right. And that's why things are weird. It's no big deal. Willow's like, yeah, but if it did go right, shouldn't Buffy be like happier and grateful and shit? Tara's like, just give her time. She'll thank you so much so soon. Don't worry about it. I really like this scene. I feel like it's a nice, intimate scene with her and Tara that feels very real and like loving. Like Tara's Mm -hmm. all like, you know, you don't have to be, you know, a superhero in front of me. Like you can tell me how you feel. You don't have to be hyper confident. I agree. I like it reminds me of like when we are home with our families or something and you know we're we're just like with our families all day and then we have like time alone yeah in the room at night where we just talk about talk like, about everything that happened whatever, that day yeah. yeah it's just like being alone again it felt like a real relationship and like the intimate part of relationship besides the sex part mm-hmm. and they're snuggling uh, so i like this scene. yeah it's cozy Bubby's in her room but she's not sleeping she's looking at photographs of all her dead friends <laughs> It's kind of like in Back to the Future where the photos fade away, but instead of fading away, they just turn dead. Yeah. Kind of like the ring almost. Yeah. Or that Goosebumps book. Sure. She's and die. This is a little dark, but there was a, a kid that I went to school with since I was like four. Okay. That died in a car accident the summer between junior and senior year. Okay. I actually was not close with him. I kind of didn't like him, but I had a picture of him in my locker freshman year. Okay. Because he, like, went to prom with someone I was friends with. I don't know. I had, like, a picture with him in a group of people. But while that photo was in my locker, someone, like, scribbled out his face. Because whoever he went to prom with had broken up with him. him or something? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, whenever that was still hanging in my locker. It must have been sophomore year because it would have been from freshman prom. But, like, the day I found out he died, I was, like, going through old stuff. And I came across that photo and it was just so weird. It's so creepy. I mean, there's a reason for it, but it's still creepy. Yeah. Like, I was aware it had been scribbled out when it happened, right. I think, and it was probably funny. Not when you refound it, it wasn't funny. <laughs> like, the day I found out, yeah. Anyway, Willow and Tara are sleeping when they're awoken by the sound of glass shattering. Buffy's in their room, scolding them for what they've done, how they're filthy little bitches with blood on their hands. Willow turns on the lights. Buffy's not there. There's no glass. Buffy's tucked all snug in her bed. Tara's like, eh, maybe it was just like a shared delusion? I was like, no, that's... That's dumb, Tara. Have better ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tara just like pets a little crystal ball for a second. What's that about? I don't know. Crystal balls are nice. I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. It's just like a little crystal ball on a table that she just kind of strokes for like a second and then they continue to talk. Is that the one Giles got her for her birthday? 
Maybe. <laughs> but then the pictures in the room start rattling. There's sort of like a bubble moving in the wall or a blueberry, as Brian might call it. <laughs> Willow decides to call Xander, who's fast asleep, despite Anya screaming into his ear that she wants to play a word game. <laughs> She says that she's going to describe an adjective with accurate but misleading clues. What? How do you describe an adjective? I guess an adverb, but... Is this meant to be nonsense? Like, how would this even work? Let's play now. I have an adjective. I'm going to describe it to you. With what? Adverbs? Like, what, I don't know. How do you know. describe an adjective? Um, would it have to use accurate but misleading clues? Okay. <laughs> so an animal might mm. have some... Furry. Okay, but a human also has some... Toothy. But it's more like the first thing. Instincts. In no. Instinctual. It's like the first thing that you said, but different. Oh, hair. Yeah. Hairy? Yes. It's hairy. That's not fun. No. Is that how you play? Put me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such an unfun game that you will fall asleep. As expected, the phone rings. This does wake Xander up. He's got a cool, clear phone. It's not like <laughs> the clear ones from that we all had. From like the school wrapping paper drives. It's I like did if you not sell a hundred wrapping papers, you get a clear phone and a rainbow eraser. I think I just got one for Christmas, but yes, you you know the phone with all the yeah. colorful insides. This is just a clear phone. Ani gets out of bed, goes to a different room while he's on the phone. Willow and Tara explain to him what happened. They're worried something's in the house. He's like, yeah, get out of there. Wake Buffy and Dawn. Don't make a big deal. How can they not make a big deal if they're waking them up at three in the morning to go outside? <laughs> like, it's still be nice to go to the park, you know? The Sunnydale Park, middle of the night. I mean, they're probably woken up by, like, demons and shit constantly. It's like, this is just a minor demon. We're just leaving the house right now. While Xander's talking, Anya's creeping back into the room. But she's got a knife. She's cutting up her face. She's laughing all evil. Her eyes are all blue. Xander takes the knife from her. She falls down, and the little bubble goes crawling away from her. It's confusing. First off, it looks like an homage to Evil Dead, the way that she's cutting her face and, like, has her eyes white. It looks very much like we're talking about Evil Dead right now, which was kind of cool. Anya's fine, though. She doesn't have any cuts. And this demon, it's not really a demon, I don't know, this creature thing, like, seems like it can project false things, but it also seems like it can possess the characters. It so is weird. if it's possessing Anya, which seems to be what it's doing, right? Mm -hmm. Why is Anya not cut up? It's weird, too, because later they say it possesses and it, like, mimics. Like, Bubby's eyes were not blue when she was talking to them in the bedroom. So blue in that case, it was... white? It's like a light blue. We can call it white if you want. Her eyes look normal, is what you're saying? Yes. Mm -hmm. So in Bubby's case, it was mimicking. But literally every other time, it's possessing. So I don't yeah. know why they didn't just have Buffy be possessed. Or it's just mimicking and, like, it isn't actually Anya possessed. It's just, like, he's seeing Anya cut her face. Because it's confusing now that her face isn't cut. So it possessed her but then projected to Xander stuff that wasn't actually happening. And then later, spoilers, Dawn gets possessed and breathes fire. Anya's like, you'll probably have dry mouth. So the fire will affect Dawn? Well, Anya might have just been saying whatever. Right, right, right. But she has been possessed, so she would know if the effects lasted. Right, that's true. The next day, they're all in Buffy's backyard swapping scary stories about last night. They're not just like doing Are You Afraid of the Dark for funsies. <laughs> By swapping scary stories, you're like, hey, do you want to talk about what happened last week? <laughs> also, this is like the first time I feel like we really get to see Buffy's yard. Like we've seen her back porch, but they've yeah. never in her yard. Maybe when they 
buried the cat? Yeah, maybe. Maybe Joyce is very much like, no one hangs out in the yard, but now Joyce is dead, so. Yeah. They decide it's not a haunting, since it doesn't seem contained to one place. Anya pitches it could be a hitchhiker who travels between dimensions and maybe latched onto Buffy when she came back. She's also like, yeah, I knew we shouldn't have brought Buffy back. I should have said something. <laughs> Her outfit is wild, by the way. She's got yeah. like pinstripe pants on, kind of like navy blue with some gray and a very flouncy floral purple top. But She's like know. mimicking Xander season one and two. Yeah, they just like don't go together. They're just v- both very bold patterns yeah. with like similar but different colors. But they're like, cool. So we'll just find this thing and kill it. No big deal. Buffy pops outside. She's like, cool, I love to kill things. What are we killing? Anya's like, oh, just the demon you brought back from hell with you. Buffy's all like, yeah, I'm not going to correct you on that. Buffy's all like, you mean the angel that came back from heaven with me? Let's talk to it. (laughs) By the way, all of you were dead in my photos last night, but uh, maybe that was just me going crazy. Again, Willow's like, so you're sure you're not like grateful for anything or want to say thank you? (laughs) Because I really need a thank you for what I did for you. Buffy's like, no, I'm good. Let's get to work figuring this thing out. Can we just, I feel like Willow's being really, like really desperate for a thank you when it's like, if she really was in hell, she may be like ridiculously traumatized. And also like, you don't know that her brain is perfect now. So like maybe instead of being like, I need some accolades, she should be like, are you okay? I mean, she's only really confessed to Tara that she's looking for a thank you, but it does seem like she's bringing it up a lot Yeah, to try to get one. But yeah, but we know that is my point. Right. So they go to the magic shop to research in nearly total darkness. They've found a few demons in the books that could be what they're looking for. Willow's trying to run this meeting, but Buffy's like, yeah, I kind of missed the way Giles ran the meetings. Sorry. <laughs> Willow's like, uh, okay, uh, he, he's coming back. Don't worry about it. She's like, okay, great. I'm just going to go patrol until then. I feel uncomfortable around you guys. I really much prefer my new heaven friends. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't say that, but that's the vibe. As she goes, Dawn shouts after her. Yeah, you should go. I'll be safe here. Don't worry about me. Almost like she's hurt that Buffy's yeah. not grateful for all her help. But then we see the Dawn's evil. She's got the, the eyes. She starts scolding them for what they've done. She breathes fire. She falls over. Xander gently puts out the fire with a pillow. The bubble gets away. Kills Dawn accidentally with the pillow. <laughs> <laughs> so Buffy's out patrolling, a.k.a. going to Spike's house for a booty call. Well, what? She's not, but she shows up at Spike's house. <laughs> I'm not really sure why she went there. Like, she says nothing. She might just want to be around someone who, like, wasn't part of bringing her back. Yeah. Expecting her to be thankful. He's in his basement, where she's, like, really pimped out. He's just hanging out down there with all his new furniture, punching walls, laughing like a crazy person. (laughs) When he hears Buffy moving around upstairs. He tells her that he feels bad that he didn't keep his promise to protect Dawn. And if he would have kept Dawn safe, Buffy wouldn't have had to jump. But he lets her know that every night since then, he's been reliving the whole thing in his dreams where he does save her every time. That's nice. Yeah. Really, the big mistake was Don shouting his name when he came to the top of the tower. Yeah, it's really Don's fault any of this happened. Like, he could have snuck up on Doc. Don't feel bad, Spike. It's Don's fault. But you should feel bad for all of the people you've murdered. Mm-hmm. But not for this. No. Back at the magic shop, Xander has a little private heart-to-heart with Tara about what Spike said about magic having consequences. He asked her if she suspected this might happen or if she suspects that Willow knew. Tara, too, is like, no, Willow would never do anything to hurt anyone. This conversation's happened twice now, which leads me to believe that Willow for sure knew something bad could happen. And that's going to come up eventually. Hmm. 
Before they can dive too deep, Willow interrupts them, conveniently having a eureka moment. She has now determined that this demon isn't something that they let out, but something they made. Basically, the universe was like, cool, you want your friend back, you're also getting this demon. Congrats. There's a word for it. Yeah, I don't remember it. I didn't write it down. Thermogenesis. Mm-hmm. So this concept has once been explored before. When Jonathan did his big magic wish, the universe is like, okay, but also we're going to create this like killer demon. But what's interesting, right, is that we find out in this one that if you just wait long enough, the thing will disappear. But that was not the case with Jonathan's demon. Or maybe if Jonathan had just been a little bit more selfish, the thing would have eventually dissipated. It could be, yeah. They didn't really look into it. Did they say the word thermogenesis in that episode? They did not, but that was the only other case where it was like, oh, yeah, he got this big wish, but then also there's like a consequence, like an entity that was created. Was that a spell? I think so. Yeah. Also, though, the show has now set up this like, oh, we had a big ass, so the universe is going to do this thing. And people have kind of gave me some grief because I mentioned, why doesn't Willow do more spells? And they're like, well, you know, because, you know, the show talks about this. This is the first time, other than Jonathan, which seemed like very specific at that point, that we've like set up that magic has consequences. Other than like doing a spell wrong. Like, obviously, you do a spell wrong, everyone falls in love with you, Xander, or all your wishes come true. But like, up until now, Willow's been using magic whenever the plot needs it. Floating a pencil. When she floats a pencil, does she get a headache? You know what I mean? We have had her do that spell that was the teleportation spell for Glory, and then she was sort of, like, knocked out by it. Yeah, that made her, like, tired and gave her a headache, but I don't know that it, like, made evil happen in the world. Right. And then Willow, though, when she was fighting Glory, was doing all kinds of magic, and we didn't later see her being like, oh, but also I broke an ankle or something. Like, nothing bad happened to her as a consequence for that. And then for the rest of the season, she was using spells and stuff. And it wasn't like, oh, but this also has a bad consequence somewhere. So when people were giving me shit, like, I understand that the show now is addressing the idea that magic has consequences. Other than mistakes. But previously, up until before Superstar, that was not canon. I guess you could argue that it was headcanon for the writers. But you'd think they would have, like, sprinkled that in. Right. I bet they didn't have that idea till now. No, I don't think they did. Because they were using magic. What about, like, Giles Ripper? Sure, yeah, but that was, I don't even know if that was magic. That was like summoning a, and possessing a demon, and I don't remember how it ended up coming out, like how it ended up coming for him. Yeah, I don't either, because didn't that happen like decades ago? Yeah. It was finally I, just manifesting? The show, I, I don't mean to repeat myself, but the show has definitely set up like, if you do magic and you're not super careful, bad things can happen. But the show, until Jonathan specifically, the show hadn't set up, if you do any magic spell, there will be an equal and opposite reaction. Other shows and other movies like The Craft have set that up, but the Buffy lore had not. Well, I think ultimate proof that the writers didn't come up with it till now is Spike not telling Dawn that magic has consequences. When yeah, they when they were going to bring Joyce back. Yeah, was, of course. Anyway, the reason that they can't see the demon is because it doesn't actually exist in this dimension. They think its consciousness is here and it occasionally can possess them, but its body is caught between dimensions. So a couple cues. Can they not see the bubble? Is that just for our Benny? Yes, yeah, I don't know. Because they never say that they see it. Right. But, like, it's pretty big. I'm not maybe describing, it's not like a floating bubble. It's like a little lump in the floor that moves. Yeah. Like there's a little piece of clay underneath. It's like this old painting. I can't think of what it's called, but yeah. But then this is also where they bring up that, like, sometimes it possesses, sometimes it makes a copy. And I was like, why was Buffy just not possessed then? Why even have the copy part? Why not just have the possession? It's just so much easier. 
Also, Willow, like, you're doing this crazy spell to bring your friend back, and you never thought about this until now? This, like, truth of magic that's always been the case? You never researched it? Maybe if Buffy had been possessed, her eyes would have been glowing, and then that would have been confusing because they wanted us to believe it was Buffy. Right. But then just, like, don't do the eyes thing. Yeah. For anybody. But I also don't buy that Willow would not have thought this was a possible consequence until right now. Unfortunately, it seems like getting rid of this thing wouldn't be too hard, but it would also undo the spell that they did, which would also undo Buffy, right. which they obviously don't want. Like with Jonathan and the demon that he came across. Mm-hmm. Dawn freaks out. She's like, no, Willow, you can't get rid of her. Why would you do that? She's freaking out. And Willow just said like that would be a way to get rid of the demon, but I never got the impression that she was like, well, that's the answer. No right. further plan B needed. It's just weird. It's like, no, I don't I don't think Willow wants to get rid of Buffy, Dawn. She worked really hard to get her here. I mean, I don't blame Dawn for being like, you can't. That's my sister. Yeah, it's just weird. Because even Tara's like, Dawn, you're not listening. Shut up. <laughs> well, Dawn's freaking out, Willow reads literally one more sentence saying that the demon is only temporary. It'll go away eventually unless it kills the subject of the original spell, a.k.a. Buffy. Thanks for the tip, says a newly possessed Xander. Then the bubble heads off to kill Buffy. Real quick commentary about this. So on the one hand, this demon creature thing, I don't know what you call it because it's like a new entity, seems to be evil, I guess, because the universe is like, you want a good thing, you get a bad thing. But on the same token, it's like, do you blame this thing for like doing whatever it has to do to survive? Right. It's kind of unclear what it wants. Yeah. Just to survive. Other than that, I don't really know what its goal is. Yeah, it's very unclear. Its goal seems to be making the Scoobies feel bad. To be fair, it's about two days old, so it's growing. It doesn't know what it wants. Yeah. It's just like yelling at them for bringing Buffy back. Yeah. But it's like, you exist because they did that. Chill. If you just explained it to it calmly, it'd be like, oh, okay, cool, cool. (laughs) Yeah, they should try that. Buffy's now made it back to her house, and the demon seems a lot more corporeal. I know that's a ghost word. I'm not really sure what it means. Okay. It has a body. It looks like a ghost now, so I guess it's not corporeal. It has some form. Previously, it was just a bubble. Now it's like a ghost. Yeah. It follows her upstairs, tells her she doesn't belong here. Buffy tries to punch it. Buffy, you can't punch a ghost. Or can you? I don't know what corporeal means. You can't punch an incorporeal creature. You can punch a corporeal creature. It can punch her, though, which seems unfair. Yeah. Kind of grabs her. It's like, did they tell you you were home? Did they tell you pretty lies? Did they even give you a choice? I don't get why it's like team anti-Scooby. It's, it's unclear why it's saying these things. Yeah. Just wants to piss people off, maybe? With the truth? The truth often upsets people. Yeah. The ghost tells Buffy that she's the one who's barely here. She's set on this earth like a bubble. Interesting, coming from a bubble. <laughs> Shut up, you blueberry. <laughs> So Willow and Tara are at the magic shop doing a spell to make this thing corporeal so Buffy can fight it. When do Willow and Tara memorize all these spells? Like, they're not reading it, but they just, like, know a whole dang poem on the spot? Maybe there's a spell to memorize. Maybe that's the word games they play at night. (laughs) I'm going to describe a spell. The rest of them show up at the house to help Buffy fight. During the spell, Willow somehow gets taken into a trance that Tara's not invited to. Like, Tara's hands, like, fall down and it's all Willow. She gets the black eyes, and she just says the word solid. The demon goes fully hard. Okay. Buffy probably <laughs> chops her head off with an axe. Dawn's like, ooh, that's probably not something I'm supposed to see, right? Has she not seen worse? I guess maybe they usually shield her from stuff. Also, this doesn't make sense. But it, it wasn't bloody. It was like watching a statue's head fall off. No, but like the plot doesn't make sense. So they already set up that if they kill the creature, Buffy goes dead again. Um, 
Yeah. Maybe if it was if they sent it away. I mean, I've, it was heavily implied that if they kill this creature, that it undoes the spell. They have to wait for it to dissipate. But Buffy kills the creature. It's sort of like, wait, what? Huh? Maybe because of the other spell they did, they like changed the nature of the creature. I don't know that it really makes sense. It's like, especially if you compare it to the Jonathan episode where he kills the creature and it undoes the spell. And you could argue that's different. But I mean, I said sort of what they set up. Yeah. Anyway, hmm. whatever. Maybe chopping its head off doesn't kill it. And then it just hurts it and then it dissipates. Whatever. That could be. Maybe that just like makes it so it can't fight. Because it's not bloody. Well, things seem back to normal. Dawn's skipping off to school. Buffy's hair is gorgeous. Yeah, she's very, she got up early this morning and got beautiful. She comes out. She's like, wait, your lunch. I'm fine. I'm making jokes. Everything's great. I'm lying. Dawn's like, awesome. Things were so bad when you were gone, but everything's going to be better now that you're back and you're happy and all your friends are going to see that you're happy. You're happy, right? Okay, bye. Buffy goes to the magic shop where Willow has clearly just finished shearing off Elmo's torso fur and put it on her body. <laughs> her outfit is insane, man. It's, I was like, what? She it's saw like, Anya yesterday and was like, I can do better. It's like a sweater vest with like cap sleeves. It's not quite a vest, but it's just Elmo fur. <laughs> yeah. What the, what the hell, man? Is that a bad part of the spell? <laughs> Buffy's like, listen, I'm not going to dress the outfit. I got some stuff on my mind. You guys brought me back from hell. You're right. I was in hell. It was so bad. I really hated it. Thank you so much for bringing me back. This is what you wanted to hear, right? (laughs) I mean, obviously I'm paraphrasing and saying what she means instead of what she actually said, but I don't know. I just thought it was so obvious that she was lying and not grateful. Because Tara's all like, it was Willow. Willow knew what to do. And Buffy's like, okay, Great. So you did that. <laughs> so she, just, <laughs> she seems mad. I mean, I think she just says thank you to get them off her back about yeah. being okay because everyone keeps checking on her and telling her she was in hell. And she's done talking about it. Well, Dawn's conversation with her, too, I think really told Buffy, like, they need to know that you're happy. Yeah. And so Buffy's like, puts it all together and is like, okay, yeah, I need to lie. It doesn't help anybody to tell them I was in heaven. So she goes out back where Spike's just laying out in the sun, getting yeah, a tan. What, what is he doing, man? He's like, you could die by with someone shoving you. If you trip, you die. Even Buffy's like, what the fuck? And he says it's shady enough where he's sitting, so it must be. From one angle, it does look pretty shaded. From another, he's quite well lit. Yeah. She came out back for some alone time, but he can't exactly go. Although, how did he get there? Did he not bring his, like, coat that he covers up with? She says it's okay. She can be alone with him here. He's like, if there's anything I can do for you, just let me know. She's like, you can't. I'm pretty sure I was in heaven. I was happy and at peace where I was. I knew everyone I cared about was good. I felt warm and loved and my fucking job was done and I felt good about that. My life was all wrapped up in a bow. Everything was super awesome. And then my fucking friends ripped me out of there and everything here really sucks. This is hell. Every moment I exist here is just the worst. And, uh... I just thank them for that, to keep them happy. So that's something I'm dealing with. Please don't tell them any of this ever. I'm going to go sunbathe and leave you to think about all that. <laughs> By the way, the only way we could ever be together is if I was asleep. Bye. Just, I'd want you to keep remembering that I said that. <laughs> Enjoy the sun bath. Uh, bye. That's it. Yeah. It was a very depressing tone. You just sort of did a, a funny rendition of it, but it was very much like fucking heavy stuff, man. Yeah. Brian, was this a good episode? I don't know that this was like a good episode for all of the many reasons I nitpicked. What is this demon? What is its powers? Yeah, I didn't really think about it, but the demon is very nonsensical now that we're breaking it down. 
It's nonsensical. It's inconsistent. It's not consistent with previous Buffy lore. Killing the demon, they like, yeah, if we get rid of the demon, it stops Buffy. Buffy kills it. They're like, cool, problem solved. What? I thought that was also a problem. And then, like, why the writers, it's like they couldn't decide what powers they want to give it. Or they filmed some of it, and they're like, oh, we already filmed this, so it's got double powers. And the idea that Willow had never heard of this before, when it's like, there's no way. You and Tara talked about how you were preparing for it to go wrong. So why would you not have, like, researched this? Why did it become a ghost? Like, why did it take that form eventually? Yeah, it's just kind of doesn't make any sense. I don't know. So, no, I don't necessarily think this is a good episode. I do like the reveal that she was in heaven. I think that's a fun twist. You predicted it. I don't think I had predicted it the first time I watched it. I mean, I had it in my head after the second episode. So this whole episode, I was just like, yeah, that seems. I mean, I think I remember thinking it was like, why do they think she was in a hell dimension? But they're all saying it like it's fact. So it must just be what it is. The monster stuff in this episode didn't really do it for me, but I did really like what they're setting up. That she's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's very, it's very heavy. Yeah. But Season six is going to be heavy, hun. <laughs> it's very interesting yeah. that she's got this like super dark secret that she's keeping from them and probably like a lot of resentment for Willow and Willow's keeping secrets for sure. Yeah. I almost feel like Buffy should turn them because like I said, they're like worried she's in a hell dimension and the show could have explained why they think that because of the circumstances of her death. But they have not said that. So I have to run under the assumption that they think when you die, you go to hell. And it might be nice for her to be like, hey, guys, you don't necessarily go to hell. It's also kind of shitty that they're not like asking her. I get that you wouldn't want to ask someone who's maybe been traumatized to talk about it. But like they're never like, you know, you can talk about it if you want. We're here when you're ready to talk about it. They're just like, wow, hell must have been awful. I'm interested to see if she tells Giles the truth. I kind of feel like no. But I bet like he'd at least have questions and suspicions more so than the rest yeah. of these folks. Spike was great in this episode. Yeah. I thought he acted very well. I thought James Marsters acted very well. <laughs> Both work because he's like an evil dude who wants to kill. <laughs> like he, he behaved himself <laughs> so well. But I think it's interesting that Buffy's got a special secret with him. Yeah. Okay. So which episode do we think was better? This is tough because I don't think either episode was particularly good. I think Buffy. It's not hard for me. I think I'm going to go Buffy too because I just feel like Gilmore, just almost nothing happened. Yeah, I before we recorded today, I was like, it's for sure Buffy. That Gilmore Girls was like not particularly yeah. memorable at all. And now I've found more flaws with Buffy than I initially had. But I really liked um, what it's setting up for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go Buffy too. I think I liked it more than you did. I just, I have issues with, like, logical stuff that doesn't make sense. And th- this episode had, like, a fucking ton of them that were like, mm-hmm. wait, what, though? Anyway, I know some people are upset because some people love the magic system in Buffy. And I feel like it's never totally defined until this season, really. And I feel like it's, when they finally do define it, it's sort of like, okay, but is that consistent with everything we've seen so far, though? Sometimes if an episode's really flawed, that's enough to, like, tank it for me when we're doing this. But Yeah. Because there's nothing, like, wrong with Gilmore Girls. And Buffy did have some, like, big flaws, perhaps. But I don't know. I just think what... Buffy set out to achieve with like setting up where the characters are going the season accomplished a lot more than Gilmore Girls did. I did not enjoy watching Paris and TJ. That's what did it for me. I did not enjoy their scenes. Yeah. Anyway, sorry guys. Let's not be downer. We love these shows so much. I didn't have a bad time watching the shows. I didn't either. And guess what, guys? If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 6, Episode 4, Flooded. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 6, Episode 4, Always a Godmother, Never a God. Gilmore's episode sounds like almost a Buffy episode title. <laughs> Yeah. 
In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode discussed in this podcast. Did you predict that Buffy had been in heaven? Do you think the magic system makes sense? Tell me your thoughts on it. How am I wrong? That's cool. Why is Rory in charge of community service now? Why are we hiding Logan's nippies? <laughs> Let us know. Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacey with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of Angel, host monthly live stream watch parties, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. You want to put some clothes on? Because <laughs> you're naked right now. <laughs> yeah, I've been naked this whole time, guys. In the other room by yourself. Just alone, naked. We are in t-shirts and pajama pants. I'm in shorts. Pajama shorts. Sure. Did you sleep in those shorts? Yes. <laughs> Actually, no. You slept in other shorts. I slept in pants last night, but I have slept in these shorts recently. <laughs> We're gross. We are We're so gross. gross. I just dug them out from somewhere. I was like, these smells slept in. I'll throw them on. <laughs> 